for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food, great ownership, and despite the pandemic, they are open for pickup and delivery, so make sure you get to Coach's. I've got the honor of having a very special guest on the podcast this episode he's been on before, has a little bit of a new title this time around. The radio voice of the Chicago White Sox, Len Casper, joins us. Thanks for coming on the show, Len. Anthony, Happy New Year. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Same to you. So I'll start pretty simply. Obviously, you spent 16 years with the Cubs as the uh, TV voice. Now you're on the other side of the town. How's the job switch been so far? I know you haven't gotten a chance to call any games yet. Yeah, it's been an interesting transition here over the last month or so. Uh, we really haven't gotten rolling just yet, um, but talking to a lot of people with the White Sox and, and frankly, with a, a lot of uh, people I worked with uh, for 16 years with the Cubs, uh, it's been a reflective time, a bit wistful about all the great experiences I had uh, with the Cubs, and also really looking forward to uh, a new journey. Uh, with the American League team in town. You know, it's funny, the ballparks are nine miles apart, um, but for a lot of people, it's either one team or the other. I have heard from some people who vote or vote uh, root for both teams, which uh, to me makes sense considering they're in opposite leagues. Uh, I think if they were in the same league, same division, uh, it would it would definitely make sense that you would really root hard for one and root for the other to lose as many as possible. And I think that still is the case uh, for a lot of Cubs fans, and a lot of White Sox fans, vice versa. But um, there are fans in town who want to see both teams do well. And uh, I'm definitely one of those. And uh, right now my focus is on getting to know the White Sox as well as I can. And I uh, cannot wait to jump into the booth with Darren Jackson in spring training and get going in 2021. Yeah, like you said, there are some fans that kind of go both ways. Obviously, you might be at the top of that list now. I just want to say thank you for the past uh, 16 years on behalf of me, the the podcast, and all Cubs fans, really. We were really happy to have you in the booth. Well, it was an honor, and I, I never took uh, any of that lightly, and uh, I was fully invested and and would have been thrilled to continue on uh, with Jim Deshays and on Marquee Sports Network, but uh, ultimately uh, this opportunity to, to do radio was just too good to pass up. And the fact is, my family, we, we all wanted to be in Chicago for as long as possible and, and to have a chance to, to stay in our house, stay in the same city, uh, but, but kind of switch the tenor of the job a little bit uh, was just something at this time in my career and my life that I really wanted to do. And uh, it's it's been uh, energizing. And as I said, I can't wait to get going. And like you said, obviously still on the, the city of Chicago, but what sticks out to you from your time spent on the north side? Well, a million things. Uh, I think the World Series championship and the whole run uh, starting in 2012 when Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer came in uh, and kind of built this thing from scratch uh, after a, a, a few years uh, where the Cubs were kind of on the downturn. Um, but that whole process was amazing to see. And 
just all the relationships I made. Uh, there's so many great baseball memories, but to be honest, Anthony, it's more about uh, the people and the lifelong uh, friendships I have forged. And, and that's the other thing about this move, that you know the friends I have will be the friends I'll continue to have. And, and while my role will change a little bit, and I may not see the same people quite as often, uh, once you've you've made that connection, uh, that, that sticks forever. And uh, I'm looking forward to making new friends as well. Um, but it, it's pretty amazing just how many people I have in my phone on speed dial, and uh, that, that won't change. And uh, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. When you look back at the, the past 16 years, is there a, a best memory that sticks out to you? It's got to be probably Game 7 uh, in 2016. Uh, I was with the radio crew and just that crazy night uh, being on the field after the game, uh, before the rain started, uh, during the rain delay, uh, just you know, wondering if after the Cubs got off to such a great start that night, if the Indians were going to come all the way back and stick a stake in the heart of Cubs fans everywhere. But the fact is they were able to keep the game tied and then score a couple runs in the 10th to win it. Uh, and just that whole night was something I will never forget. Uh, it was about 70 degrees uh, in early November off the shores of Lake Erie, which is pretty amazing. Uh, could have been snow on the ground for, for all we know that night, but it just was almost like this bizarre, everything kind of came together uh, at the right place, the right time, and I'll never forget that night. And you'll be in that ballpark a lot more now so you can have uh, all those memories come back to surface. I know I've asked you this before about um, your favorite call, and you mentioned the Aramis one, but now that you've gotten time to reflect on uh, your whole time with the Cubs, is there any other calls that stick out to you? That one still probably is at the top of the list uh, for me. Um, I think of Starlin Castro's Major League debut. I think of uh, the no-hitters, uh, Arietta, uh, Zambrano, uh, Alec Mills being able to call a, a remote uh, broadcast no-hitter uh, this past season. Uh, and just the fun I had on the air with, with Bob Brenly and, and later Jim Deshays. We just had so many laughs and so many of the fun moments had really nothing to do uh, with the game action. But uh, in terms of my calls, you know, I, I let other people uh, kind of make those determinations. I know uh, the Chris Bryant uh, homer against the Rockies, I believe, is one that stands out and the, the walk-off uh, grand slam by Hayward against the Phillies. But I think it's the Ramirez homer uh, in 07 that still is probably at the top of the list. Yeah, those are all great ones. I remember the uh, the Rockies one watching that one. It gave me chills as well. So as you transition now, how does it feel to have this fan base that you know misses you so much already? It's really flattering and kind of humbling. And, um, you know, I know that uh, there are a few fans who are not real happy with me right now and are, are angry and upset and disappointed. And I get that. And I, I, I don't take that lightly either. And it, it means that they care and that I was a part of their daily life uh, during the last 16 summers. Uh, I expected that to happen. Uh, it, it, it's the tough part of this transition um, but for the most part, I, I think people will say, I'm bummed for me, but happy for you. And uh, that makes me feel good. 
Uh, I did this ultimately because it's something I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it's not as if uh, everything about this change was great. The, the, the really tough part was leaving the Cubs. The, the, the fun part is the new challenge and a new team and, a, and I think a White Sox team that's going to be really good. Wonderful people who work there. Uh, being able to do more radio uh, as opposed to television, which is something I've been doing for the last 20 years. Uh, so you know, there are a lot of reasons why uh, I wanted to make this this change, um, but it didn't make it any easier to leave what I would consider the best job in sports. Uh, I had 16 amazing years doing it, and uh, I look forward to doing something now, uh, which is be the main radio voice of a big league club that I had dreamed about when I was a kid, and also working in the American League, uh, 20 years basically in the National League, and now I get to do the AL circuit, and uh, that's got me pretty excited as well. Yeah, absolutely. A lot to look forward to, and, and you kind of touched on it too. Play-by-play for the Cubs is kind of seen as one of those premier jobs in baseball, maybe even sports in general, and it's been really impressive for the Cubs. They've essentially had pretty much three announcers from when Cubs started on TV to today with uh, Jack Brickhouse, Harry Carey, and you on the TV side. How does it feel to be kind of a part of that legacy? I know there are some other guys in between, but those are three main guys for almost the entire time they've been on TV. It, it's uh, it's amazing, and it, it gives me chills to even think about it. And again, I, I don't take uh, that responsibility and, and that honor lightly. Uh, Harry had a much bigger impact uh, in his 16 years uh, than I did. Uh, I totally understand that, but uh, to, to have that longevity uh, was something that I'll be very proud of uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, you often hear the once a cub, always a cub. I, I definitely will feel that way, um, but I also want to immerse myself in White Sox culture, and that's my team now. And uh, I can still uh, have fond memories of, of my time with the Cubs uh, while also uh, being uh, a fan and, and a voice uh, of a new team uh, on the other side of town. And, you know, I don't know if I'm going to convert uh, any or many Cubs fans, uh, but hopefully if uh, people miss my voice, uh, they can easily find it. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll, uh, we'll convert a few people. Yeah, I'm sure Cubs fans wouldn't be too happy about that, but I'm sure it's definitely possible. Um, And, you know, I mentioned that kind of legacy of broadcasters for the Cubs. Now there's one set in place to be the next guy on Marquee Network, Boog. I know that's a guy that you are pretty fond of. So what are your thoughts on that hire? Well, I thought Marquis and the Cubs absolutely nailed it. They hit a grand slam. I think John Shambi is maybe the best in the business. Uh, he's my best friend uh, <laughs> maybe on the planet. We talk about broadcasting philosophy all the time. Uh, we have similar sensibilities, uh, and I think he's absolutely terrific. He and Jim Deshays will be great together, and I don't think it'll take much time at all. Uh, for Cubs fans to, to fall in love with him. He's a sweet, kind, generous human being, really fun, really funny, knows the game at a very high level, has a lot of great connections around the sport because of his time uh, with ESPN, which will still continue on a more limited basis. But I think Cubs fans can feel uh, very happy that uh, they'll be in good hands 
moving forward with uh, the Shambi Deshaies booth. And this is somebody that you've worked with in the past, correct? Yeah, when I got the uh, TV job in uh, Florida with the Marlins, uh, John was on Marlins radio with Hall of Famer Dave Van Horn. Uh, so that's how we really got to know each other well. Uh, so we traveled together with the Marlins for three years, uh, 2002, three and four, uh, before I left for the Cubs. So we've, we've known each other for a couple of decades and, uh, that friendship has only gotten stronger and, you know, he's going to move to Chicago and, uh, the fact that uh, we'll be in the same city again is pretty exciting for both of us. Uh, he's very tight with Jason Benetti and, uh, I would imagine when the Cubs and White Sox are in town together, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to, to try to get together and, uh, keep that friendship going and talk a lot of baseball. And obviously you mentioned before there was no bad blood left with Marquis. Did they reach out to you um, during this process to see any of your recommendations or anything like that? Not really. Uh, You know, they knew we were good friends. uh, And I think that, you know, their targeting of, uh, of Boog was completely separate from my relationship with him. And that's the way it should be. You know, once I left, you know, my input really wasn't necessary, and uh, it's not something I stuck my nose into uh, at all. Um, but as I said, I, th- I think they got it totally right. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm excited to uh, to hear him call some Cubs games. I, I don't think you could argue that if you're talking quartet of play-by-play guys, um, the combination of Pat Hughes, Boog, you, and Jason Benetti beats any city's top four. Well, that's kind of you to say. I, I uh, you know, Pat is as good a radio announcer as there is uh, on the planet. Uh, I already told you what I think of Boog, and uh, Benetti is to me right there with him. And uh, to even be mentioned in in that company is uh, is pretty amazing. So I want to get into just specifically broadcasting now, really quick. How difficult was it to broadcast during the pandemic from remote without fans, all that? How difficult did it make it? You know, if, if on a scale of, uh, you know, zero to a hundred, uh, if being in the ballpark puts you at a hundred percent in terms of your ability to be accurate and to have a good feel for things, I felt that doing a remote broadcast, we were probably at 85, you know, so it was, it was passable. It was probably good enough for most people watching and listening that they, they, it wasn't a huge burden on them, but it's, it's not ideal, and I understand why we had to do it. There really was no good alternative uh, during a pandemic. Uh, traveling really wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense uh, because of the lack of access uh, to the to the players and the managers and coaches. It wouldn't have made much sense to, to, to travel. Um, but I can tell you that it's a much easier broadcast. It's a it's a much more accurate description and it's just more comfortable for us to be where the scene of action is and when you're relying on television monitors you know it's kind of like we are watching the game at home with you and you know it's 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 something we were able to pull off i'm proud of the way we did it but uh would i prefer to do it a lot in the future no Uh, my hope is that we either start the season uh, traveling and we're in every ballpark or 
if that's not possible at some point during the 2021 season, uh, we are able to get back to normal somewhat uh, with fans in the ballpark and with broadcasters in all the ballparks as well. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for as well. And, and as you make this transition from TV to radio, broadcasting-wise, what's the biggest change for you style-wise or stylistically, anything like that? Well, I just think you know the main thing is uh, radio is a play-by-play medium. Where's the ball? What's the score? Uh, that's always paramount. Uh, you can't take off pitches like you can on television when you're telling a story. You have to... Uh, make sure that, you know, ball one, ball two, swing and a miss, swing and a foul, those things you have to always weave in uh, to your call. Uh, it's just a much more descriptive, it's about the what and the where than it is about the how and the why. Uh, the how and the why still are really important, and my job is to create enough space for Darren Jackson to, to tell you those things, but I have to be much more cognizant of the what and the uh, the where and the when and all of that stuff uh, before we ever get to the, the deeper analysis, which is a lot easier, I guess, to get to when you're on television. And you mentioned that doing radio is has always been a dream of yours. Can you explain kind of how that dream started? I know a little bit of the story, but I just want to hear it from you. Well, when I was a kid, uh, Ernie Harwell, the uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster who worked for 42 years for the Tigers, Ernie passed away about 10 years ago. Uh, he, he was kind of the first voice I remember hearing. His partner was Paul Carey, and, and together uh, they made up, in my opinion, the best radio team uh, I've ever heard. Now, I'm sure that there are a lot of people uh, who would say that about the radio tandem they grew up listening to, and it's natural to feel that way, but I I feel very lucky that I was able uh, to kind of learn about broadcasting and baseball uh, by listening to those guys. And I just remember being 12 or 13 and thinking, not only is Ernie amazing, but man, that would be a really fun job. So I kind of wanted to be him when I was a kid. And I, I... Worked in radio uh, throughout college, really started in high school, and uh, throughout my 20s, uh, I worked in radio as well. The only television I've ever really done is is baseball, and uh, I was very happy to to get that opportunity to, to do television, and I love television. It's been a great, great thing for me and for my career, Um, but, you know, of all the things I've done, the one thing I've never done full-time is baseball play-by-play on the radio, and that's why this opportunity was too good to pass up. Yeah, and I, I think you're you're right on the money there, too, about people growing up, you know, thinking their um, broadcasters are the best. And, I mean, I would echo that from getting to listen to, to you and Pat growing up. I think that's what's really sparked my interest and in, in my dream of doing the same thing you're doing. Well, that's great to hear, and you know, I think it, I'm at the point now, and I can't speak for Pat, but I, I've talked to him a lot about it, and you know, to 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 hear that young baseball fans uh, are into the sport and and get into the idea of being broadcasters because they listen to us is is really gratifying, and you know, I do all I can to help uh, young broadcasters live out the dream that I've been able to live out. 
And Ernie was very helpful to me. Pat was very helpful to me 25, 30 years ago. Bob Euchre, uh, whom he worked with in Milwaukee, was very helpful to me. And I'm doing all I can to pass along whatever bits of advice and information I can because it's an amazing job. And you have to have a passion for baseball, I think, to be really good uh, at broadcasting it because it's every single day. Uh, I suppose you could do football and basketball and some other sports and kind of like it and be good at it. But baseball, the, the, the amount of time spent at the ballpark is so overwhelming that if you don't really love the sport deep in your soul, I think it's difficult to be really good at this. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, and, and that passion definitely creates uh, better broadcasts and you can hear it um, day by day and, and game by game. But as you take over this White Sox job now, obviously this wasn't the intention of it, but this is just kind of how it all turns out. You're leaving a team that seems to be on the downswing at the moment and taking over the reins of a team that seems to be on the upswings at the moment. I think you might be setting a record for consecutive winning seasons broadcasted in Chicago. <laughs> well, you know, the White Sox, I think, got there a year early this past year, really good offensively, uh, top of the rotation with the additional Keuchel, uh, along with Giolito, and now adding Lance Lynn to the mix. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I think this team should score runs, uh, and, and I like the starting rotation a lot. It probably will come down to, to the bullpen being really good. And, and you know, but I, I look at the, the two central divisions, and I think both uh, are up for grabs. And I think the Cubs will still be very competitive in the NL Central. And I think the White Sox may go into the season as the team to beat uh, in the AL Central, especially after the uh, Lindor-Carrasco trade the Indians made with the Mets uh, a few days ago. Twins should still be very good. Tigers are on the rebuild. Royals are kind of on the rebuild. Uh, but I think the White Sox feel very good about where they stand at 21. And and really, this window just opening should hopefully be uh, a jar for uh, at least another half decade, if not longer. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, you're not a big predictions guy, so I won't put one of those on you. But the last question I have for you is, as you move into this new job, what excites you the most about the opportunity, about the White Sox, and maybe even the, the chance to call a World Series down the road? Well, number one on my list is, is getting to know Darren Jackson. You know, we are friends. We've known each other a long time, but we've never worked together. And just building that rapport and that chemistry, and that can only happen by working every day. And that's going to start hopefully within the next couple of months. Uh, so that that's the number one thing on my list and just immersing myself in, in White Sox history and the culture and getting to know Tony La Russa and the front office and the coaching staff and these players. Uh, so that's the biggest thing for me right now as the new guy is coming in and uh, just becoming part of what they've built. And I uh, can't wait to get going. Obviously, this is a Cubs show, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult for me to, to squeeze you onto the show as you're on the south side. But seriously, thank you so much for coming on, and, and good luck this year and for the rest of uh, your time on the south side. Thank you, Anthony. Anytime. I'll be happy to chat with you. It's always fun. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. As always, it is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and at the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.